0: You're listening to the preaching ministry of Redemption Bible Church in New Braunfels, Texas, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you seek to worship Christ, walk with Christ, and work for Christ all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, please visit redemption.bible. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon at one of our upcoming worship services. Once you uh, have your Bibles, then go ahead and turn in your copy of God's Word to 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians 13, you'll find it there near the front half of your New Testament. You have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians. That's right, we'll be at the end. We're also going to uh, uh, focus a lot of our time in chapter 1, but we're going to start... There. Now, this is the second to last uh, one another in this series that we've been uh, doing this fall called uh, Come and Belong, looking at these one another's, these characteristics that are to define us as Christians and to define our community, these things that make us distinct from the world around us, and we invite others into the healing that God provides. See, redemption, uh, note this, we have an opportunity before us. Uh, Always, but especially this morning as we look at this one another, we have a gospel opportunity to steward as a gift from God, one that we've received and share with others, that we've received personally and share together as a community. See, as humans, all of us share the common experience of living in a broken world stress, pressure, disappointment, sadness, aging, disease, sickness are par for the course, and for many during the holiday season, this is especially true. On top of this, the daily pressures of life, Christmas brings with it the stress to buy the right gifts and plan the perfect parties. Uh, It brings with it sadness over who's not coming, or maybe who is coming, or who can no longer come. It brings with it disappointment through the very gifts that we receive, or can't give, or the people, and Again, all of this on top of just the normal pressures that we face as humans. And in this season, we feel squeezed, squeezed so much that we feel as if we have no juice left to give. And it's because of this reality, because of this shared experience as humans that our gospel opportunity is before us, the opportunity to comfort one another. And now, as we've seen all along the way, the biblical idea of, of comfort is very different from how we use it in a day like today. As, uh, you know, our hospitable selves, like say, uh, can I do anything to make you more comfortable? Businesses, medical professionals, their, their emphasis or their priority of making us comfortable. And yet, as we come to the scripture, I think we will see something more robust something more eternal, something more lasting than that. And so join me in in the text here in 2 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read 11 through 14, the conclusion, and then we'll, like I said, we'll bounce forward in a bit and look at chapter one. (laughs) But follow along or just listen here as I read 2 Corinthians 13, 11 through 14. They say this, finally brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort One another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, this is God's word for God's people. And aren't these some great verses to meditate on, uh, especially this Christmas? It's like there's a list of commands. It's as if Paul is telling the the church in Corinth, the believers there, like, hey, finally, family, uh, remember these things, do these things. And it's uh, summed up with this Trinitarian seal, uh, including or mentioning the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, bringing them to these things. As he's been teaching them along the way, here's just some summary uh, statements for them to have joy, aim for restoration. Our command this morning, comfort one another to agree and have peace and to uh, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, that's uh, kind of funny. It's like, well, is there something different? It was like, there are a normal kiss and holy kisses? What are we talking about here? Maybe you were greeted with a kiss this morning. Anybody as you walked in? The welcome crew? No, nobody? No, it's just, uh, you know, a cultural thing there. Maybe you were greeted with a holy fist bump or a holy hug or maybe a kiss from your spouse here. But these are the commands, bringing them uh, to... Conclusion: What's very interesting is you study the book of, of both First and Second Corinthians. Here, you begin to learn some things about the church there that they were really messed up. There were people. Uh, they, the the culture there in ancient Corinth was much like us today—a very secular culture, a very sexualized culture. And in both of these letters, and scholars believe that Paul wrote other letters as well, but in First and Second Corinthians, the, the letters are just very practical. Bringing the truths of the gospel, how to follow Christ in the daily uh, rhythms of life, how to follow Christ in the things that we eat and the things that we drink and in our marriages and in legal matters, and especially in the church. And what's very interesting about all that we get in these two books is in these verses that I just read are the summary that he would, he would leave with them of all the things that he could have just like given them some final uh, charges. He says these things to rejoice and be restored into comfort and all that. And, and it's tucked into this final section or these final concluding commands here that we find our one another today to comfort one another. If you have a different translation, it might say uh, something like be comforted. Uh, to, to, to find comfort somewhere, and to the, really the, the thrust is to, uh, for us as those who've received comfort to comfort one another. And, it's, and though he just says it briefly, it is, like I said, a tag back to chapter 1, where there's some extended teaching. And it's woven, actually, this theme of comfort in our affliction throughout the whole letter of second. Corinthians. And so we see the command here. I want us to just see it in its place of importance. But if we want to learn how to do it, then I think we need to go back to chapter one. And chapter one is where he will elaborate on where our comfort comes from and how we then uh, comfort one another. That is unique to Christians. So turn over to chapter one. Now we started here. You get two for the price of one today. Let's see if I can even find it. Go in reverse. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. And I want to read this section again, verses 3 to 7, and then we're going to actually go deeper into, our sermon will focus here on these verses today. Listener, follow along as I read them. They say this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Now, this is God's word for God's people. And here, if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. For this is the underlying premise of uh, this passage and this one another in the context of our church. You can uh, say it this way, that comfort is the healing element of our uncommon community. Write that down. Comfort is the healing, not heating elements, not that cold, healing element of our uncommon community. As we look to the place, how does this fit? How does this define us? How does this make us as a church? How does this make us unique and uncommon? This comfort, this biblical comfort is the healing, is the feelings of of being squeezed. Of of the pressure and stress of life, but what makes us unique or different—a new kind of community—is how we walk through the brokenness of our life and the world around us. And it is this that the, where comfort comes in. You should know this: that that the word here in Greek is the same word that we looked at a few weeks ago uh, as and 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 um, uh, translated as encourage. the the idea of coming alongside and calling forward. In that passage, there was this encouragement, this coming alongside and, and, and calling us forward when we need to keep moving forward in faith, especially in those moments when we are downhearted. But in this sense, like in other English words that we translate maybe a little differently when its target is different or when the context is different, here, the aim or the focus is in times of affliction. Literally, it's, it's in those times where we're feeling the pressure, or as I've said, where we're feeling squeezed uh, through the normal responsibilities of life, and especially when it comes to following Jesus. It is in these moments that we come alongside. If we were to like demonstrate it, I could call one of you up. And, and what this looks like in the day-to-day is I'm coming alongside you. I can see that you are, are, are feeling pressured. You're feeling squeezed. You're feeling stressed. I'm going to come alongside. I'm going to put my arm around you, and I'm going to put and, 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 and push your chin up so that way you look somewhere different. Eyes off the problem. Eyes off the things here. And let's look to the source of our comfort. And so let me just ask this, this morning, church, are you feeling squeezed right now? Is there something going on in your life where you're feeling the pressures of normal life or of following Jesus? So just go ahead and write it in your notes, just on the backside there. Lord, I'm feeling squeezed here. Acknowledge it before the Lord. I'm feeling squeezed in this. I'm feeling the pressure of, this circumstance or in this relationship. And if you're not, praise God for it. <laughs> if you're not, if you're like, no, my life is blessed. I'm not, I'm not actually feeling squeezed. I'm 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 feeling good. Whether whether the case, you're feeling squeezed or not, praise God for it, because the command is the same to comfort one another and be comforted. And I think we even get to sense in these verses that especially if we are feeling squeezed, then we should be comforting and coming alongside others as we too are finding our comfort in the Lord. But let's take the text as it comes to us, And, and it's pretty simple today. Here's the healing element, but how do we do it, and how is it different? How can we comfort with an abundance or, uh, or the generosity that is spoken of here? Well, if we're going to do it, here's the first point in the text that we see, is we have to seek the source, the right source of comfort. Seek the source, or you can insert there, seek the right source of Comfort. See, we're seeking comfort in all kinds of things. Others are seeking comfort for us. We uh, desire it. It's, uh, it's, we, we, we don't want hardship. We don't want discomfort in our lives. And yet here, uh, Paul is doing something that's, that's kind of unique, and that makes the following Christ so uncommon that, verses here. Our section is another one of those praise God openings that are characteristic of Paul's letters. He wrote many of them in, in the New Testament. This is just one of, of 13. But it's unique because oftentimes when he begins his letters, he will begin with a praise God for our salvation. I praise God for your faithfulness. I praise God for what he's doing in your life. But in this sense, he's like, I praise God for the comfort he has given you through uh, our affliction, and he lifts his praise vertical. He starts it off by calling our attention to the Father and the Son. And there's a role of the Holy Spirit in all of this that I think we can see and we'll get to in just a moment. But look at in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of Jesus. And so he's bringing us here. He's turning our attention forward. And look what he says of God. He's the Father of mercies. He's the source of even mercy. And it's uh, we, we think of, and rightly so, the Bible portrays God as the righteous judge. The one who, uh, who, who executes justice on the earth, who is equitable and fair and true and right and all that he does. But not uh, only is he the righteous judge, he is also the merciful father. The one who who, like a good dad, because of what Christ has done, bestows on us, is the source of mercy that we do not receive what we deserve because of our sin through what Jesus did on the cross. He's the source of mercy, and he's the source of, even as we think of that, of all, note that, of all comfort. He's the source of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. Do you see those words there? Underline them, circle them, highlight them so you never miss it out. He is the source of all the comfort you need in every situation, in every affliction that may come your way. No sadness where he is not the source of joy. No hardship where he is not the way forward. Your situation is not beyond his sovereignty, is not beyond his comforting arms. He does not see your affliction and is like, oh, well, I've never seen that one before. I'm not sure what to do in this scenario. I didn't see that coming. Like we sang in the song last week, no, you will. There's nothing that surprises him, nothing that makes him flinch. He knows it all. He is sovereign and he is good. That's why we can find comfort in his hands. He is with us through it all. He is orchestrating all of it, even the calamity, even the affliction, even the difficulties, even the places where you are feeling squeezed right now. He knows it all. And He's done something about it. He sent Christ. He sent Christ to be the solution. That's where he he, he, he he takes us here. He's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But jump to verse five for just a moment here. He says, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort as well. See, Christ is the one who, uh, whom we share in both affliction or suffering and comfort. Now, in English, the, the word share here is inserted uh, in this, but there's a possessive element. It could literally be rendered like Christ's afflictions are ours in abundance. In overwhelming measure, we share this, we have his afflictions, and we also have his comfort. So Christ suffered, we share in it. Why did Christ suffer? To save us. That's what he's getting at in verse 6 when he says, we, uh, if we're afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, kind of that, that uh, uh, ongoing pass it on element. But Christ ultimately suffered so that we could be saved. Our substitute there on the cross, dying the death that we were supposed to die, living the life that we could not try as we might, could not live, rising again that we might be saved. This is what Christ did, and this was spoken of long uh, beforehand. You know this, maybe. If not, it's on the screen here Isaiah 53 5, speaking of Jesus, speaking of the suffering servant. It says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. What kind of peace is in view here? A peace with God we who are his enemies, we who were sinners, we who were weak and ungodly, Christ came and died that we might have peace with God, that we might be saved. And this is the source of our eternal comfort, is it not? Comfort here and now in the midst of it as we face afflictions in the same way. And an eternal comfort that is found only in God through Christ. But he came to save us, yes, but also to sympathize with us. To show us how it is to live. He is able to sympathize. Look at how the writer of Hebrews says it in Hebrews 4.15. It says, for we do not have a high priest, this is speaking of Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin goes on to encourage us then. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Note this, as Christ came to the earth, as he left heaven's throne and put on human flesh and walked, it was the first time in all of his eternal existence that he experienced hunger and thirst and exhaustion, weariness the tiredness, the temptation for sin, and yet he walked through it perfectly, sympathizing with us that we might be comforted through the affliction of our own humanity and the difficulties of following uh, Christ in a world hostile to him. That is why we approach him with confidence. That is why we can come and find the mercy and grace to help in the moments where we can seek the source, the one who sympathizes with us. As we follow Jesus, walking that same path, facing affliction of being human and living distinct as a believer in this world. See, seeking Jesus is seeking comfort through and despite the affliction of our life, not without it. See, so often our pursuit of comfort is the, is the, is the seeking of the absence of difficulty, the absence of affliction, the absence of, of pain and toil. And yet we know that that is just par for the course as humanity. Sin broke, it corrupted the earth. And so we seek Jesus and find a comfort, an eternal lasting comfort through it all. And it is as we do that, this is where the third member of the Trinity comes into play. As he is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one who applies it to us. The, though not mentioned here, you saw the Trinitarian seal closing the letter in, in chapter 13. And also, you should know that in John, John refers to the Holy Spirit with this same word. The paraclete in John 14 and John 15, the helper, the advocate, the counselor, the, the, the helper, the comforter, however you want to translate it. Turn over to John just for a second. I want you to see this. Go in reverse in your, your Bible. You're in 2 Corinthians 1 Corinthians, then Romans, then Acts, then John. And go to John 14 so you can just see the work of the Holy Spirit, the the applier of this comfort. John 14, beginning in verse 25. And this is Jesus there in the upper room speaking to his disciples right before he's to be betrayed and then crucified. He is leaving his disciples with these monumental instructions, with these, this monumental help that is a help for us as well. John 14, verse 25, listen here. It says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Do you see the word helper there? Same word, you could say the comforter, the counselor. Some translations have it, the advocate. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Right? It's distinct. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Then he'll go on about abiding in Christ, the hatred of the world for following Jesus. And look what he says in chapter 15, verse 26. But when the, there it is, the same word, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. See, look this here. Father is the source. Jesus is the one who accomplished it, who 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 made it possible and the Holy Spirit is the one who applies, who administers God's comfort in our hearts, doing that soul work in our inner being when we're feeling squeezed of giving us the strength that we need to continue going, of recalling to our minds, bringing the truth of Jesus back to our minds when we're believing what is false, when we're believing uh, that we maybe are feeling abandoned, we're feeling alone. Nobody is here to help. It is the Spirit who brings back the truth to our minds. That is the Holy Spirit using the people around you to help and their giftedness as the hands and feet and mouthpiece of Christ in those moments when you are feeling squeezed and need it most. Redemption in God, you will only and always find genuine comfort, eternal comfort. Many things promise comfort, but can only deliver in a temporary sense. Comfort food, momentary. Drinks, momentary. Vacation, momentary. Christ, soul satisfying. Christ, eternally satisfying. And beware of anything that offers you comfort that is devoid of Jesus. No, no, I'm not saying don't go on vacations. I'm not saying don't eat. I'm not saying don't don't, uh, find your sustenance there, but do not find your soul satisfaction, the comfort you need, especially in the moments where you are feeling squeezed. Find it nowhere else but in Christ. But there's a flip side of this also. We must beware of offering comfort to others that is devoid of Jesus. We come and help. Yes, we come and be the hands and feet, but we must make sure that our comfort towards others is full of and pointing to, that is coming alongside and lifting the chin so that our gaze is fixed on the only one who can provide the comfort. So in the text here, in 2 Corinthians 1, Paul's praising God that he is the source of comfort, but also that we can be instruments or stewards of God's comfort. And this is the second point. Write this down in in your notes here. The second way that we comfort one another with abundance. We're going to do this. We must steward or share God's comfort generously with others. We we must give it all away. It's a gift given to us, not one to be hidden, not one to hoard, not one to keep all for ourselves and to stay silent about, but to steward it generously and giving it all away. Jump back into uh, verse 4. Of 2 Corinthians 1, he, he's speaking of the Lord who is comforts us in all of our affliction so that, note that, so that what is the reason God comforts us? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Note there the any in distinction from all. See, God comforts us so that we can better comfort others. In any situation, your squeeze, your stress, your pressure, your affliction may be unique to you. There may be others, and there's a time where, where our affliction is, is, is unique, and we can share, when we say, I've walked down that path. But let not that, let not uh, 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 the uniqueness of somebody's pressure or your own struggles say, well, I can't help you with that. Do you know Christ? Do you know the comfort of Christ? Then you have the solution. You have the distinction here to help in any comfort you don't have to have walked through that it doesn't matter that you're not in that life stage yet or that life stage was long ago we steward we help one another in any affliction see we share what we love don't we 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 share we steward with others the things that that help us what's impacted us right if there's a restaurant that we love and somebody's asking for recommendations of where to go eat you don't tell them to go to the place that made you sick Right? Go to Arby's. That place is great. I mean, I kind of like the Jamocha shakes, you know, the the seasoned curly fries. But we, we, we recommend some place that is great. A doctor if we need a, a doctor, an orthodontist. We're going to recommend to a place that has impacted us where we've seen the the results, the change that we needed in those moments of, of pressure. And so we share. We give. We give it generously. We recommend effusely. In verses 6 and 7, then there's, Paul is like peeling back the curtain a little bit to help us see why then does God allow these afflictions? Why, is, why do we have this comfort? Where, uh, why do we have these afflictions? And it's certainly not an exhaustive explanation, nor should we take it to just be the sole reasons for why God does these things. But he uh, ana- allows us rather to be afflicted to enable us to better serve and to comfort others. And so note these truths that, that we can glean from verses 6 and 7 in this. Note the, the plural language here. He's, he, he's using we are, you are, us, we together here. See, see, you are not alone in your affliction. It may seem like that sometimes, In those moments where you are feeling squeezed or stressed in and, and the most acute sense. The enemy loves for you to to, to believe the lie that you are in this all by yourself. But you're not. Look around. There's a whole group of people here by God's design, willing and able to share in Christ's comfort with you in this affliction. And we all need this. We can't go it alone. We're not meant to. We're not designed to go it alone. You aren't. I'm not. And nor was the Apostle Paul. You're like, not Paul. He was like a, a a superhero Christian, right? He was preaching the gospel. He was he was you know bearing all those beatings and the persecution and and the stoning of stuff and stuff in Acts. He was doing that all and and was uh, you know and, and he wasn't you know feeling the pressure. Not so, not so. I told you this was woven throughout. Turn over to chapter seven for a minute. Second Corinthians chapter seven, and verse five. In a moment of incredible self-disclosure, a vulnerability that Paul has with these uh, Corinthians and all their messed upness and all the areas that God was still sanctifying them. Look what he says, verse 5, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5. For even when we came into Macedonia and region there uh, nearby Corinth, he says, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn. You feel that way sometimes? Exhausted, weary, just in need of a nap. You need a break and ev- every turn. it ramps up instead of, instead of getting easier. Fighting without and fear within. That hits home, right? Some of your family gatherings feel like that. Everybody's fighting out here, and I have this insecurity and this fear within me that all this is going to fall apart, or if I don't do something, then... uh. Apparently, Paul is feeling the squeeze, feeling the pressure, feeling the affliction. Verse 6, but God. The two most comforting words put together in all the scriptures... This is our scenario. This is the stress, but God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he comforted, or which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. What did Paul need? When he was feeling squeezed, he needed a brother and the encouragement of a whole church and these people that loved him behind him to come and give joy and steel to his soul. That's what he needed. Church, don't discount, even when you're feeling squeezed, don't discount the ministry of your presence. Of what just showing up. And bringing the prayers and the affection of your small group, your family, the church uh, with you as you've called them to pray. What that can do in moments when we are downcast. When we are feeling squeezed of just showing up and helping, of being there, offering God's comfort in these moments. See, we're not alone in our affliction. God didn't design us this way. It's the whole purpose of the church that we're not meant to just be maverick Christians doing our own thing, but plugged into a healthy, growing, vibrant, uh, 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 struggling along, afflicted, squeezed, you know, minimal margins group of people. We're not alone in it. But there's a purpose also through all of this. God is allowing this. He's comforting us through this, knowing that we're not alone, but also to galvanize our faith, to make us stronger uh, through uh, these things as we patiently endure. Come back to uh, chapter 1. In verse 6, he's talking about for afflicted, it's for them. It's for comforted, it's for uh, them as well. He says, then which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. More than in the moments of blessing, more than in the moments of ease, more than in the moments of peace. It is in the times where we are feeling squeezed, when the pressure is mounting, when we are afflicted, that our faith is made stronger when we are patiently waiting upon the Lord, it is then, as Isaiah 40 says, that we are stronger, that we are quicker, that we soar in those moments. It is then that God is working this steadfastness, this no-quitness in us. As we walk through these things, patiently enduring, making us depend on God all the more. That he is is strengthening us, that he is galvanizing us so that we become more dependent on him, not independent. He doesn't make us strong so that we can carry a greater load. Actually, the opposite is true that we become more dependent, which is that making us stronger as we endure in these things. Jump down to verse 8 for a second in another moment here of self-disclosure from Paul. He says this, verse 8, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. He's like, I need you to know this. I need you to know what my what I'm enduring in my life. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. You can't feel uh, more squeezed than this. The Affliction and pressure had, it could not even go on. Was this the end? But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises us. The dead. See, church, we're quick to rely on uh, just about anything other than the Lord in our own strength, aren't we? And the enemy loves that. He, he doesn't care what it is that you rely upon so long as it is not the Lord. But in these moments of affliction, when we are feeling squeezed, when we are feeling the limits of our strength, the limits of our humanity, when we just can't go any further, is it is in these moments that make us depend upon God, where we reach out for prayers. Look at how he goes on. Verse 10. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again, right? Just like we saying, he was faithful then. Paul knows he's going to be faithful now. He says, you must also help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. I need your help. I'm walking through this. You know what you can do? The most powerful thing you can do, pray. The sign of our dependence on God, the posture of our, uh, our, our neediness before the Lord. Why are we walking through this? What is God teaching us? What is the gift that we are stewarding? It is the gift of both being afflicted, of of growing in our dependence on God, and the gift of sharing that with others. This this produces a hope, an unshakable hope that he refers to in in verse 7 for them, a longing for heaven, That this world is not our home. It loosens our grip on our material possessions, on the things that are temporary, the things that are momentary, and causes us, us, rather, to cling more tightly to Christ. or Maybe more accurately, to feel more (laughs) closely the embrace of Christ. And see, this is proven out in our suffering, in our affliction, proving uh, uh, not necessarily to us and to others how strong our faith is, but how good our God is, how strong he is, Right? There's, there's an aspect of this that shows the, the strength, like our faith is real, that this, is, this means something. Where others can see, wow, following Jesus isn't just something uh, 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 that they talk about. This is something that is real. This isn't just ritual exercises that they yeah. do on a Sunday morning, but rather this is all of life. That like God, in following his ways, means something. And this is a reason to praise God for. Redemption, don't waste your affliction. Don't waste the squeeze and the moments that God is giving you, this unique opportunity that God is giving you to see how glorious he is and, and how good he is and how he may be using you for others, stewarding this gift in the normal experience of the brokenness of our life. And that may seem backwards in your mind. This, but this is really just another one of those distinctions that make our faith unique, uncommon, distinct, that seems countercultural. That seems counterintuitive way. My affliction is for my good and for the good of others. Yes. The squeeze isn't always a bad thing. It is often the blessed thing teaching us to savor the soul-satisfying comfort that can only be found in Christ, where Christ is the only variable in the whole scenario that makes things make sense. Because he is there, he is good, he is the one holding it all together. It's in these moments where it teaches us to see the pain of others cultivating us in us pity and compassion taking our eyes just off of our own pain and our own grief and our own uh, squeeze and helping us see that there are others around us as well in the same boat or struggling through their own things and especially when we ourselves are hurting when we ourselves are feeling squeezed, we come alongside and we point one another uh, to the Lord, especially when it makes no sense. You're like, I don't have any strength. I don't have any help. I can't do anything. Well, what we can do with the help of the Holy Spirit, who he himself, the Holy Spirit is the one putting his arm around us, pointing us to Christ, pointing us to Christ. We then come alongside in his strength, putting our arm around that person, pointing their eyes to Christ. And together as the Holy Spirit is moving us along, God gets all the glory in our weakness not our own strength, not our own wisdom, we get the healing and comfort, and others get the help and hope and healing and comfort just like we do in the midst of the whole thing. See, we steward this as God's people, and where we lack, God has abundance. Where many see an obstacle, God has an opportunity for us, and may we be those who share both in the afflictions of faithfully following Christ and the comfort that comes along uh, through His Spirit and through His people, especially in a season like Christmas. Where we are feeling this, the people around us are as well, where we as a church can come alongside, comforting one another, keeping our eyes, our affection, our attention fixed on the glory of Jesus Christ. And this is a reason to praise God. Remember, this isn't a praise report. Blessed be God for this. It's a reason to take our our affliction and to turn it back vertical. And praise of God through it all. Isn't uh, Isn't that what I need? Isn't that what you need? Isn't that what our world needs? Absolutely. Let's pray to that end. I want us to pray for just a moment pray for ourselves, to pray for the people around us, and to pray for our church in this way. Bow your heads and let's go before the Lord again. God in heaven, here we are, blessing you for uh, your goodness, blessing you for your kindness, blessing you for the comfort that you have given us. God, would you grow that in us, Uh, grow uh, in us, Lord, our sense of satisfaction in you, And Lord, so use these circumstances in our life. We just bring them to you. The places where we're feeling squeezed today. The places where we're feeling the pressure, the affliction. Maybe just from normal responsibility. Maybe it's from following Christ in this. The, the difference that that is to the people around us. Help us, God. Help us to patiently endure. Help us to see your purpose. Help us to lean in and be comforted through your means of grace, through the people around us, through your word. But God, we need you to do that in us. And secondly, Lord, would you help us to see the affliction of others? Give us your eyes. Give us greater compassion for those who are harassed and helpless and hurting. God, we know we, we, maybe the, the, just the needs of the people sitting next to us. Maybe it's somebody who isn't here, somebody who's heavy on our hearts, even now, that we can come alongside like the Corinthians did for Paul and pray for them, sharing in this affliction, asking that you would do what only you can do in their life. Finally, Lord, we just pray that our church, that this body of people, that redemption, would always be a place of healing, a place of comfort, a place where the broken can uh, find healing, where the, the, uh, the, the sad can find uh, joy, where the downcast can find their comfort in Christ. May we be a people quick to point to Christ. May we be a people uh, willing to embrace, to come alongside, arm around, eyes lifted together, taking just feeble steps. Maybe it's just stumbling along forward. But May we be a people. May this church be a church full of faith, full of comfort, found only in Jesus Christ. Thank you that we have that hope, a hope that is unshakable, a hope that was uh, uh, demonstrated uh, through Christ's resurrection. That even the pain and sting and sadness of death could not keep Christ in that tomb. So out of that hope, out of that comfort now, we give you praise, God. Asking for your help, we pray in Christ's name.